Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Blaze No Glory, the podcast. Um, it's an absolute pleasure tonight to be joined by a full Scotland cap, cap number 16, to be precise, for the Scotland women's team, Donna Aitken. How are you doing, Donna? Hi, thanks, Richard. Thanks for having me. Um, now, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the men's Six Nations, and then we're going to get into a little bit about um, about how well, it's been 30 years since uh, since the first uh, women's international uh, for Scotland, and talk a little bit about that too. Um, I, haven't, I haven't aged a day. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the men's stuff, get out of the way, and then we could talk about some of the more, uh, about the women's game in a wee bit more detail. What did, what did you make of the, the men's Six Nations this year? And how uh, were you were you pleased with what Scotland did or a little disappointed? Um, in parts, uh, I think overall, we've still not played a full 80, I don't think. Um I think the first two games, certainly against England and France, we only really turned up in the second half. Um, and uh, sorry, England and Wales, we only really turned up in the second half. <clears throat> um, I've I've still not seen that full performance from us, um, and it can be quite frustrating because there's an abundance of talent in the team, and, and you can see that. And when you know when they're on point, they're such a good team to watch. But it just for me, there's still something not quite hitting the mark because um, I think France especially were beatable um, we could have beat them Ireland I just I just I don't think anybody can touch Ireland at the moment um, I think they're just on this crest and they're just riding it at the minute but certainly when it comes to France that was a game for the taking I think um, yeah. and had we have not let them get 19 points ahead I think we would have taken the spoils that day but again we didn't play the full eighty minutes, and I think it came back to bite us in the bum. Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. I mean, I looking back at it, it was obviously because you're there. I was, you know, I was at the Ireland game I, I, at the time. I was really quite crestfallen actually watching them watch watching what happened in the second half. But looking back on it, I feel like the the France game is more disappointing than the Ireland game yeah. because of the way Ireland. Controlled it, controlled us in the second half, and adjusted to what we were doing, and we couldn't, we can adjust to what they were doing to us. Yeah. Whereas exactly, France, and I think obviously the way that we, you know, the way that we managed to turn the game around against France, you know, it shows that we've got it in us, but we just, we just can't get that complete performance yet. And um, certainly against Ireland, and I'm not going to be all hail Finn Russell and what have you. He's a great player. Everyone knows he's a great player, but I think missing Russell and Hogg. I think it was more a confidence thing within the team. I think we kind of rely on them as a almost like a comfort blanket type thing because um, they know that they can play and they know that they're big game players. So when you lose your big game players, who do you turn to? Um, and that's I felt that was kind of missing against the game against Ireland. They, they certainly didn't have the same spark. And, and I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to slag like, uh, Kinghorn, he had a great game, he scored three tries um, but uh, sorry, this is a game against Italy I'm talking rubbish, sorry, I've got <laughs> a puppy and she's not sleeping and means I'm not sleeping, sorry, the game against Italy, you know, that last game, I just felt that not having the likes of Hogg and Russell, I just I felt it was very obvious within the team, the players just did, didn't respond the same way and I just think just having them there not because of their skill or their talent, but just having them there just makes a difference to the team. I don't know what you think about that. 
think, I think you're right with with Russell more so perhaps than Hogg because I think he dictates so much how we how we attack. Um, I also thought what worried me more than perhaps the fact that we were we were lacking with Russell because a ten is always a key component in the attack was how bad we became when Richie Gray went off against Ireland. And yeah. How our set piece just seemed to well, fall apart. Our scrum, but our set piece seemed to disintegrate, which was, you know, relying that heavily yeah. on lock. <laughs> it's it's I know. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I did notice it um, when Gray went off as well. The lineouts fell apart. They just completely fell apart. Um, and he's just had such a phenomenal comeback. He's like Lazarus or something. You know, he's just been absolutely. Was it the same Grenathons? Um, he's just been absolutely phenomenal, and his impact was felt. Ab- ab- absolutely. Um, but I think, I mean, I think when when we were good, we were very good. I think like to kind of round it off. You know, we had you know we scored some really really impressive tries, and I think did we score something like was it fifteen out of seventeen tries were by backs, um, which is unheard. I mean, I think for the last few seasons, our most um, our highest try scorers have been hookers from from them all at the line out. So you know the way we're playing is just so good to watch, and, and I would rather watch um, Scotland play well and lose than probably Ireland. Just because I don't necessarily like the way Ireland play, it's just kind of, you know, it's effective and they're number one in the world for a reason. But as a spectacle, if you were a neutral, who would you rather watch? Would you rather watch Scotland or would you rather watch Ireland? And for me, I would rather watch Scotland because I just think it's just more of a spectacle. Um, you know, Ireland are just brute force and it works well for them and, and you know, they totally deserve their win and not going to take that away from them, but certainly from a, from an observer's point of view, I would rather watch Scotland at yeah. any day of the week. I guess I guess it's easy to say when we are Scottish, though. I guess if we were winning and we were Ireland, we'd be feeling that we'd rather watch Ireland play. <laughs> <laughs> well, or, or even Fran. I mean, Fran play in a quite you know a quite similar style to us as well. You know, they they've always been known for their kind of their pacey backs and their flown rugby, and that and that's what you want to watch. You don't want to watch, you know. Rock mall, rock mall, rock mall through the middle, you know, just like the kind of forwards getting it. I mean, obviously, there's there's a place for that, but for a whole 80 minutes, you know, it's like, you know, do something. You want to see it through the backs, you want to see everyone getting involved, you want to see quick hands, you want to see handoff, you want to see it out the back door, you know, just like a sevens game almost. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's the, the, the one thing with Ireland is, is that second half where they, they did. They turned the screw and they, they basically squeezed the life out of Scotland. It yeah. was boring though. <laughs> but, but I mean, you find their you know, the pro teams do that as well. You know, um, they get ahead and then they just kind of stick their ball up the jumper for the last, like, to close the game out. And it's so frustrating as a spectator. You're like, oh, just, uh, but, you know, they're the best in the world for a reason. So what, what they do, they do it so effectively. But... Right. No, I mean, yeah. uh, overall, it was a good championship. There was some great rugby. We beat England quite convincingly. We finally beat Wales. I think I was happier about beating Wales than I was about beat, beating England, to yeah. be honest. I just, that was like the monkey on our back. Um, yeah. And I, I was kind of glad. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but even if we look 20 points clear, I still think we're going to lose this. <laughs> 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 we're we're going to lose it. There's something's going to happen. Um, yeah, so... To get that win against Wales, I was absolutely delighted. That that for me was 
was was the game for me. And I thought, you know, from the main kind of standpoint, I think Sione Tupelotu has been standout. He's been my player with him and uh, Richie Gray have been my players of the tournament. I just think he's almost like having a second standoff. You know, some of the touches and the kicks and, you know, the, that kind of death kick to put with Hugh Jones through yeah. um, was just, I mean, that's something that a standoff would do. He's just, he's just got all the skills. Um, and I'll, I always really liked Russell and John, uh, Sam Johnson playing together. I almost thought they had this almost kind of telepathic way of working, but, you know, seeing um, the way that Finn and it looked like Finn, Hugh and, and Sione playing it so they just play so well together and it just gives that be bit more breathing room um and it's just they're all very creative players and it's kind of coming across and it's just been beautiful to watch and I think Sione for me has definitely been standout I think he's he's a very important part of the team now I think yeah the the um the, the, the sort of credit to him was he's not I think it was his 16th or 17th cap and he was named as vice captain for the Italy game um, yeah. It shows the trust the management have on him as well. So yeah, yeah no, he he really impressed me this tournament. And, and I, I have to confess, prior to maybe the autumn, um, I wondered why he kept getting capped. Um, <laughs> bit. And and that's not it's not a kind of criticism. He was a bad player. He just didn't seem to fit in. Um, but now they've brought Jones in, and I think it works because he needs yeah. to be. Maybe he works better with having that slightly more pacey thirteen that he can give yeah. them. Harris is. Don't get me wrong, we all love Chris Harris for some of the things he's done, but um I think having Jones and two Pilotos there is the the sort of the correct yeah. balance now. Um cool, cool. So just uh, you you mentioned your players of the tournament for Scotland. Um thinking up today on my on my Twitter about the, the, the try of the tournament and uh, they've got the, the obviously the Duhan breaks five tackles try. Yeah. Um, do you think that was Scotland's best try in the Six Nations? I actually preferred the one he scored against Italy to get that down um, when he was like 10 feet in the air and not get any touch. I just thought that took some, you know, just some acrobatic skill and some core strength just to be able to position his body. So in terms of kind of technicality, I would say his last try was probably my try of the tournament. Um, Obviously, that first try, you know, that, that first try that he'd done, it was very reminiscent of kind of Jonah Lumu back in the day, wasn't it? Just basically running over players, Mike Cat and whoever it was. Um, and it was very kind of reminiscent of that. But I just felt, you know, we still had so much to do for that second try. And the fact that he was able to get it down and, you know, and still be, you know, on the park and not in touch, I just felt that took a wee bit, a wee bit extra. Yeah. Fair. That's it. That's it. And you know that the thing I think that makes that try that a little bit more special. I think if that's Darcy that's doing that, no one's giving him as much credit. Just yeah. because of how big Duhan is, I think it's more yeah. if he managed to keep himself in the air for long. I mean, I think I think the the kind of two tries um, on Saturday was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday. I mean, that last try was phenomenal. Um, the Kinghorn to Duhan back to Kinghorn again, and that was that was just that was so audacious just to even attempt that and it, it was phenomenal to watch it was the hands were great and obviously as soon as um, Blue King Hong got the ball the afterburners went on nobody I mean he's got such a long stride so nobody was going to catch him there but that I mean the interplay between those two and for that try was just phenomenal as well 
Yeah. No, I think, I mean, we've scored some, I was trying to, because I knew it was coming, I was trying to watch them, because it seems like such a long time ago. It was like, it was like about six months ago. So I was going back to try and watch them, but my mum's, uh, my mum's travelling now, so I'm having to help her as well. But uh, yeah, it was, um, no, I, I mean, the tries that we scored were phenomenal. I'm glad that the backs are finally getting a look in. Um, it's about time. It's about time. And, <laughs> and and the, we've got very, very talented backs. But just, just one thing, I suppose, that every podcast will be touching on this, that's re- reviewing Scotland. but. Um, this sort of the as they call it the the Blair Switch project. Um, do you think that is? I thought those boys looked nervous on Saturday, and obviously now they're more plugged into social media and stuff. Do you think this constant barrage of Blair Kinghorn's not good enough? Blair Kinghorn's not good enough. It affects. I think, it's got, to, I think it's got to penetrate. I think it's got to. Um, Unless he stays away from social, unless they all stay away from social media, which we know doesn't happen, um, he is good enough. I mean, that's the thing. He is good enough. He's a world class player. I just don't think he's a ten, um, in my opinion. I, I, I was watching the game on Saturday, and I'd, I'd actually put it in a chat, and I just thought our kind of backline just looked really flat compared to what it had been, and I was like, is that deliberate or is that just the way it is now? Because obviously we've got a different ten. But I mean, he scored three. You know, he scored three cracking tries, and he certainly, you know, he's earned his place. But I think he, he's a fullback or he's a winger. I don't think he's a ten. He just doesn't have, you know, the the kind of deft passes that that Finn has, and it, the, the kind of vision. It's almost like a sixth sense, like seeing the gap before it appears, sort of thing. It's like it's like a beautiful mind. You know, he, he just sees this coming before he, and, and he knows where to place it. And I just, you've either got that or you don't. And I just, I don't think Blair's got that. I think he's talented in different ways. I mean, Prynne Russell couldn't have scored that last try against no, Italy. No, so, I, mean, you know. I, I mean, I think the thing for me about Blair is three tries were all very good. But his first one was almost like a winger coming in on a cheat line. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were all kind of, yeah, that's the thing. They were all kind of pacey backline tries, you know. They weren't, you know, they weren't a, a ten try, if that makes sense. Um, but and and I just and part of me does think, um, you know, we were camped in at least twenty two for I think it was about twenty minutes, and I thought, and we didn't do it. And, and as soon as I tweeted that, we scored, <laughs> but <laughs> just to make a liar out of me. But uh, I, I, think, I honestly think had we have had Finn there we would have scored a lot earlier than when we did. I think he would have seen something or done something. And, you know, we got the try eventually, but I just think that had we have had um, Finn there, we probably would have got it a bit, a bit earlier, maybe one or two. I think we probably would have closed the game off at half-time. But yeah, yeah, and I think we'll that's... We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's fair to criticise Blair Kingham because he is a phenomenal player and he deserves his place in the team. Uh, you know, is is kind of full back or I mean, and Hogg's not going to be there for whatever. You know, Hogg's thirty now. He's you know he's not going to be first choice from you know the next five ten years. I very much doubt. So I think there's a there's an opportunity because he is his best at fullback. That's his position. So why it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. I think yeah. at the minute. Because they want him in the team, and understandably so, because he's he's too good a player not to have in the team. But 
it's just where does it go? <laughs> yeah, I think the the thing that we need to remember is he's not selected himself there. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, exactly. I mean, he wants to play for his country. God, I'd have, I'd have played fullback if if I got a cap. Well, it'd be terrible, but I'd, I'd give it a go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, if they say right, you can you can play for Scotland, they'd be like right, put me on as a winger or a scrum half or something. But yeah. you know, thankfully not. <laughs> Well, that I suppose that, that ties in nicely to the next thing we're going to talk about now. I can't. I think it was the Wales game, um, the original Scotland, uh, Scotland women's team from the first game were were brought on the brought on the field at half time, um, and that it was thirty years ago, that, which amazes me still to this day that women's rugby in Scotland so young. Um, yep. Now you. Interestingly, as I was looking up to find out your stats and find out your cap number sixteen, and um, you actually didn't play in the first game; you played in the second game, which suggests I played in the no second subs. game. Yeah, I, I didn't even know I played in the second game till very recently. That shows you how I was. I was seventeen when I when I first started. I was an idiot. <laughs> I didn't know what. I really didn't know what I was doing. I just kind of turned up with my boots, and and that was it. It was never. A, it wasn't my, my plan to represent my country I just tried something out that I was quite good at and, and other people thought so and put me in a trial and they thought so too and next thing I know I'm playing for Scotland um, it was all it was it was just so random but I'm so glad I did it so glad so um, t- tell us about how, how did you how did you start playing rugby it was actually my friend. Um, my friend was a big rugby fan, so she had got into rugby, I think it was 1990, the Grand Slam year, and then there was a World Cup in 91, and uh, this is going to sound really bad, so I'd come down to her house and she went, oh, I can't come out and I'm watching the rugby, and I was like, what? You're watching rugby? She went, oh, you need to come in, so they, they showed the, like players and stuff, and I saw Gavin Hastings, I thought, he's quite handsome. <laughs> So I watched it and I thought this is actually quite interesting. So um, we watched the the rest of the games, um, you know, throughout the tournament, and we watched the the Scotland England game where we just got beat. I think it was nine six um, when Gavin missed that kick, uh, that that sitter, um, and then um, we started going to watch what's on in Edinburgh, even though I'm in Glasgow. <laughs> <laughs> we would just get the bus through Edinburgh and go and watch uh, what's on ends. And I just became a bit obsessed, really. And then um, we used to buy a Scottish rugby magazine um, back back in the day when people actually bought magazines. And there was an article um, looking for women's rugby players at West of Scotland. So I phoned up. They said, yeah, bring your boots, come along. And went to training and that was that. First game. So but that's, this was in the sort of 16 when, when I first started playing. And um, played my first match. So that this was a February. Played my first match in April, and I lasted eleven minutes. I thought I was going to die. I thought my lungs were going to burst. And then I thought, right, I really need to like get fit. And so I, I kind of took it a bit more seriously. And then, like a year and a half later, I got I got capped. Very so, good. What what position did you did you play for? For school? Well, I actually played. Um, <laughs> When like when you went, you kind of filled out your little form of what you want. And I wanted to be a centre because <laughs> I thought I could be a crash ball centre. I would be like Scott Hastings, uh, and it was Sandy Carmichael was the coach. And he went, "You're not a centre. <laughs> You're a prop." And I was like, "Right, fair enough." 
with the prompter because I didn't I didn't know I didn't know like kind of how it all worked and, and stuff. So um, we did a lot of kind of scrum training and I just had a bit of a flair for it. Um, it just it was something that came quite naturally to me. So uh, so I played a loose head prop, but I could play any position in the front row. I did try hooker ones. But I was a lot taller than my other two props, and it was it was really awkward. Um, and I was I thought I was going to break my neck at one point because I just I couldn't get in at the right position. So I only played uh, hooker like once or twice. I've played flanker as well, um, but uh, predominantly it was it, it was prop. And for Scotland, I played uh, at loose head as well. Cool, cool. And then um, what was the um... You know what was the what was the sort of vibe like when you went to your first your first game for Scotland? I was ill. I was absolutely terrified. Um, so we, it was at West of Scotland. So my first game was at West of Scotland, which was my home ground anyway. And it was also the first time my family had seen me play, so they were coming to watch. Um, and so we stayed in the Ponds Hotel at Annie's Land. The night before, and we trained at Glasgow Ackies, I'm sure it was. That was like a training ground. And some of the girls from West came to the hotel and we had a wee drink. I didn't, not alcohol for me, but they just came and tried to kind of calm me down. And then the day of the match, I was sick as a dog. I was so sick. I, was, I just felt ill, just with nerves. But it was good because it, it was a big deal, you know. And if I think had you not have been nervous, it obviously didn't mean much. Um, but yeah, so the, it just seemed to go in a flash. We lost, but not by much. Um, and I felt I had quite a good game. I, you know, I, I certainly got the better of my opposition anyway. So from from my, my own perspective, I felt I played quite well, and um, we had a meal in that afterwards. You know, as you do. But it was just it just went by in a flash. Just it was like blinking, you miss it, and like try to remember it now, thirty years on, and you have I have to really kind of concentrate to try and kind of bring back the memories of it. I just remember feeling nervous and sick, and the coach saying, "You'll be fine, you'll be fine." I can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. I was young. I mean, I was only you know, I was only seventeen at the time. I was like, I just, just, I can't do this. I don't know. And my parents were there, and I was like, "What from rubbish or?" You know what? You know, so it was just all these other kind of things. But no, it, it went. You know, I felt I had a good game, and you know, it, obviously the coaches thought so because they brought me in for the World Cup in, in the April. We went. We went to Belfast in the February for a friendly against Ireland as a kind of pre World Cup uh, warm up, and then obviously the World Cup in the April '94, which was supposed to be in Holland, and they pulled out at the eleventh hour, and. We ended up holding it in Scotland. Cool, cool. And so, um, what was the the World Cup like? Because I've I've heard stories, and I don't know how accurate they were because I've, I've not lived them. But the the the, the first sort of first women's World Cup was almost self funded by everyone. Then, yep. Um, the first World Cup was put together by some of the players in the Scotland team because <clears throat> the SRU didn't recognise us. We all had to pay. I think it was four hundred pounds to participate. So, um, so we all had to pay four hundred pounds, and that covered coaches, accommodation. You know, we got sponsorship for our tracksuits and our strips, um, and yeah, it was. You know, we all had to pay to represent our country, which is crazy when you think about it now. But yeah, that that was all true. 
and we did make a profit um, and we did get some of it back, like the pl players did get some of it back um, because of, uh, we managed to sell quite a lot of tickets. Um, so, but not, you know, it was still, you know, we still had to kind of cough up, up front. And we stayed, for the first week, we stayed at Cramond at Heriot-Watt University in student digs. And, yep, in the second week, we stayed at a hotel in the middle of the grass market next to a pub, which, <laughs> which wasn't the best idea. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was good fun. It was, you know, it was good fun. And it was, um, yeah, I mean, I was probably one of the, well, I think I was one of the youngest there. And there was a couple around about the same age as me. And, you know, for somebody of that age, you know, I just turned 18 by that point. And, you know, it was just, you know, I was away, I hadn't been away from home before. And all of a sudden I'm in this arena. But we've had, we had sports scene, which just to be on a Friday night following us about for a for a rugby special feature. So they followed us for a week and um, filmed us eating and training and going through. Our, we used to have a lot of kind of psychology sessions. And so it was like, um, so they kind of filmed everything, going out for dinner. And it was just bizarre. It was just like... I kind of look back and go, did that actually happen? <laughs> you know, and like you bump into Dougie Donnelly in the bank, and they'd be like, "Oh, hello, how are you doing?" And I'm like, "My God, this like Dougie Donnelly <laughs> recognises me." You know, it's like like the fame. Cool, cool. But yeah, it was it was special, and I, I mean, I was so young, and I was really really shy when I was younger, so I didn't I didn't get as much out of it as if, if I was to go in now, obviously with the fitness and and. That, that I had back then, but the confidence I had now, I just I would have got so much more out of it. Um, I was just I was too young and too scared, I think, to to kind of appreciate everything that was happening round about me. I just I did feel a bit like a duck out of water eh, as well, you know. Everyone was like, working and they were all older, and I was at college and I had no money. <laughs> and, you know, it was just you know they were all like, working in IT and you know they, they just seemed very grown up. Mm -hmm. And I'm just this wee student sitting in hires at college because I flunked out of school. So it was just, it was all, it just felt, you know, I wish I wish I could go back and do it again. And But with the kind of confidence that I've got now, I think I just, I think it would have been carnage. Now, but in a good way. I played at the tail end of, uh, of when I started playing, it was uh, the early noughties. And uh, right. I played at the tail end of the... Uh, the, the, the cotton shirt era. What, what was it like in those rainy days? <laughs> those cotton shirts trying to play for Scotland. Yeah, the, the cotton shirt. I mean, to be honest, I loved them because uh, they kept you warm. But yeah, um, we <laughs> when we played for West, we got the men's cast-offs, like the old like seasons before shirts. So I had the prop shirt. And it was like, I mean, I'm you know, I'm big now, but I mean, I was, and so it was already like down to my knees, and then it was muddy, and you were covered in sand and dirt, and it was, it would be down to your ankles. Mm. It was like a maxi dress by the, by then, and it was like an extra two stone <laughs> on you. That's maybe why we were quite good at scrub. Um, yeah, it was a, and it, and it smelled as well, <laughs> just like man and. Shaving like after shave and 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 dirt and just man smell <laughs> as well. It was like oh geez oh. I wish this was a it was a visual pod as well because the way you said this smell like man smell was a picture. I just man smell. Um, and and you said at the start and and this is something that I wasn't quite as aware of, but 
like you said at the start that the SRU didn't recognise you. So, so did the Scotland women's essentially set up by the players for the players? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we had, I mean, we had the manager and all that, but certainly in the beginning, the SRU didn't recognise us. Um, it, it wasn't called the, the first World Cup was called the World Championship. We couldn't call it the, the World Cup, and. You know, the Scotland team, like Sue Brodie, um, who was the fullback, I know she was heavily involved because that's who I spoke to initially to get into West, just to get a bit more information. Um, and she turned out to be the fullback at, in Barakis and she was also the Scotland fullback. So it was all, it was just, it was just women that liked rugby and, you know, set up this national team. And then they, you know, a, a kind of players committee, when Holland had pulled out, they, they, they basically staged the whole World Cup. In Scotland in '94, we they spoke to Muir, they spoke to Aki's. I think where was the I think the final was was Megatland. I'm sure I might I might be wrong. Um, but we spoke. We went to like Galar Melrose as well. We had a game down there, so we were kind of all over. Um, so they just spoke to all the local kind of rugby clubs like Edinburgh and kind of further south towards the borders, and they said yes, they'll host it. So that's what we did, and. Uh, I'm so glad they did because I mean it was amazing. We had I'm sure we had Kazakhstan come over and um, just all these countries that you wouldn't necessarily think played played rugby, but oh, yeah, it was it was good times and you know we got a lot of let's say we had them um, sports scene following us about so but there was a lot of publicity. There was a real buzz. There was lots of articles. John Beatty was quite supportive. I think he was good friends with Sandy Kamiko, so he was always at West, kind of doing his thing. Um, and so there was a lot of support and a lot of buzz in in, in those days. And thankfully that's it kind of died away a wee bit, kind of early noughties. And then it's it's definitely ramped up again, you know, the exposure. Um obviously you've seen the World Cup final in New Zealand and it was like full capacity, you know, and you know, and it was on, you know, the red button and you could watch it here and it's it's good. It's, Definitely going in the right way. It kind of stalled a bit, but I definitely think it's it's taken off again. Yeah, yeah. Now, what was what was your career highlights playing for Scotland? How many how many caps did you get? Because that's one thing I couldn't I find. Remember, um, eight, I think. Yeah, I think. Um, I hurt my knee, and then I found boys. So that kind of. <laughs> yeah, I hurt my knee. I damaged my cruciate ligament, and then. I had a relationship and I just it just didn't seem that important to me anymore. And I totally it's the one thing I regret more than anything else is I could I should have just stuck at it. But you know, I was young and you know, I hadn't had I think as well because I did start so young, I didn't do the clubbing thing. I didn't because I was all we, we trained on a Friday and we played on a Sunday. So I couldn't go out at weekends. You know, I didn't I didn't go out at weekends, I didn't, you know, I didn't do all that. So when I got injured, um I did start doing all that and I quite I quite liked it and I, I, as I said I completely regret it but it, it, was, it was an experience my personal highlight was playing against England uh, in the World Cup at Megatland again my folks had came to watch me and there was something like five or six thousand people had come to watch which Megatland at that time was was quite small um, and so we all lined up and we had the anthems and I just started crying like in the lineup. I just I was just so proud and so overwhelmed. And it was just it was just a really special moment. And you know, we got beat, but we played, I mean, England were kind of number one at that point. 
Uh, we got, I think it was 24 nil, um, which sounds a lot, but we gave them a game and I totally dis- destroyed my opposition in the scrum. Um, but, you know, back then we could do things like pop them out and, you know, wield the scrum and bring the arm down and stuff and you could get away with it. So I just, you know, I had a great game, that game. And uh, it was just, and then there was a fight on the touchline by some supporters as well. <laughs> there was a brawl in the game. It was just very, you know, it was... Very surreal, but it was a it was April and it was really sunny night. It was it was a really nice night, and uh, it just yeah it was just really kind of special. And although we didn't win, it kind of felt a wee bit like we did, you know. Um, you know, we, it didn't feel. I think we thought we were going to get hammered, um, and we didn't. You know, we, we gave them a game, and you know, and I think for a lot of us, we thought, you know what, we're actually not too bad, but but we're not half bad because England had a few years. On us, you know, we'd only had three games under our belt, so to be that close, you know, it was it was pretty special. Yeah, that is that is special, and it's it's great to hear how how it began in a way. Although it's it's sad in a way as well that it wasn't maybe picked up and supported in the in the same yeah. way. Perhaps if if it had been a male sport, it would have been. But um. Moving on today, you said things are getting a bit better and we're just a few days away from Scotland kicking off their, I hate to say it, TikTok Six Nations campaign. Oh, no, no. <laughs> um, a, what, who are the players to look out for in, in the Scotland team and, and, and how do you think... Scotland, of- there's a new girl that's played that I'd seen before. I think her name, hold on, I've written it down because my memory's shocking. It is Erin Foley. She plays flanker. She plays number six. And I think, you know, she's been she's been called up to the squad, so I think she's definitely one to watch. She's, she's quite young. Um, and obviously, Jade Conkle has been included, which I was really surprised at. You know, everyone knows how good Jade is, but she just underwent ankle surgery like a month ago. So I don't know how much she'll feature, but I've always, you know, I always really like watching Lana Skeldon, the hooker. When my daughter was, um, my daughter played for a while and she got to line up with the Scottish women back in, was it 2015, 2015, 2016, um, at the Six Nations opener. And we met Lana and she she was goal kicker and she was phenomenal. <laughs> I was like, this is a hooker. And she was absolutely phenomenal. And she she was very encouraging to Morden. Um and I always kind of remember that. But she is just a phenomenal player. And but I think Erin Foley definitely one to look out for. And I've had a wee look. There's um there's actually a girl called Celicia, I think her name is, uh, Tia Pilotto, and her dad is Siona Tia Pilotto, but not our Sione Tupelotto um, is, is a Tongan international and she's related to Falatau and the Vinapola brothers and she um, she came on against Wales out of position last season but she's in the squad now for, for, for this year and I think she's going to be she's going to be phenomenal, she's, she's a unit so she's a second row um, and I'm sure she played centre when she came on at the last game in the last Six Nations um, and I think I think she's she's going to be one to watch as well, because yeah, I just caught the name and I thought, well, I wonder if she's, but she's not. But you know, she is. She does have some kind of rugby blood in her anyway, certainly. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be good. I, I don't see anybody touching England. Um, but uh, you know, we've got is it twenty five professional contracts now? Um, annual contracts. 
Um, so, ho I mean, hopefully that'll make a bit of a difference. I mean, we always seem to finish last, but it's never been really that that much of a difference between us as an Ireland. So I'm kind of hoping this year um, might be our year to not finish last. <laughs> well, if we could be um, them on Super Saturday, that would be a... Oh, no, it's not Super Saturday. It's Italy and Super Saturday. We could beat, the, yeah. if we beat them at home. That would maybe, you know, it, be, make us one-on-one -on -one in, the, in the senior series for the year. <laughs> so that would be quite... Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I mean, I, I watch the games now and I think there's no way I would get a game today. Well, obviously not today, but like if I was back then, but playing, the, just the skills are phenomenal. It's just, it's so much more professional now. Um, but I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we do well, obviously, to get to the, the World Cup. That was the first time, I think, for us, other than the one that we set up um, back in the summer there. And I just think that they're, they're going in the right direction, and I think having the professional contracts now will make a difference. We've got a long way to catch up with England because they've been professional for a good few years now, and I think Wales, this is their second year, so even they've got a bit of a head start on us. So, And I'm sure Ireland is this year as well, so we're kind of on a par with Ireland, and I know Italy only have part-time contracts, so who knows? Who, who knows what's going to happen? Just if we can get the kind of head right, and we might, you know, we might be able to finish maybe fourth or fifth. It'd been, obviously, I would like us to finish higher, but I think France are really strong, and I think Wales, you know, Wales um, done really well in the the World Cup as well. So I think I think I, I see them finishing third, and then probably France finishing second. But I, I'm really happy to be proved wrong. Yeah, one of the things is I noticed this year, and I think it is a new thing. Maybe it was last year as well, but. They've moved the women's Six Nations back to sort of follow on. Yeah. This one. Um, do you think that's a good move and, and why? I think, I mean, I, I suppose they're maybe wanting to see how much of it was a pick, because they always used to piggyback the women's game with under-20s game. So I suppose if you're wanting to see how the game's grown... How many people are there for the under twenties? How many people are there for the women? So I suppose giving them their own audience, is it's it's a good it's going to be a good marker to see how popular it's getting or or not. Hopefully, hopefully in, and I think it it needs its it needs its own audience to grow. Um, and hopefully this will. And I know I, I personally I think it's 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 a good thing. Um, and obviously, seeing how the kind of men, you know, the male kind of counterparts go, um, you know, it might spur teams on, or you know, it might, if, you know, Ireland maybe think right, we've got to do well, we can, you know, we can't let let the men get all the glory, that kind of thing. So, you know, there might be a slight com competitive there, but I certainly think, you know, giving them their their own audience, you know, they're there to see the women. And that's it. You know, they're not piggybacking on on another game. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it, you know, the the, the numbers are there and it, it starts to grow. I know it's going to be on the we can watch it on on the telly this year, so that's good. You know, it's going to get shown to a whole new audience. It's going to be a bit later in the year, so hopefully the weather will be a bit better. It might encourage more people to get out, go with families. So I no, I definitely think it's a it's it's a good idea and it's a good experiment to see how it will go. Yeah, yeah, because 
I know that um, rugby league, for example, with their World Cup, it's all it's like a festival of rugby league. Yeah. They have, um, I think they call the wheelchair rugby murder ball, but I think they just call it wheelchair. Rugby. <laughs> and they've got that the women's game and the men's game all come together. Yeah. And I guess their way of doing it is that people will come for the men's game, which is currently more popular, and then they'll maybe yeah. see the women's game, and that'll expose it to a new audience. But do you think? Rugby gets lost, the women's game gets lost in the shuffle when you do that a little bit. I, I, mean. I think so. And I think, I mean, I can imagine if, if people turn up to see the men's game and then the men's game finishes and the crowd starts to go when the women come on, that must be a bit disheartening, I think. Um, so I think, you know, I, I would rather know that they were there to see my team or the other team, you know, to, to see us play, to see what we can do rather than you know, the bars open longer or I mean obviously there will be people that, that are going, but I think no, I think it deserves its own audience and and I think to grow the game we need to kind of know these things, you know. Is there a market for it? If so, how do we grow it? And and obviously there is a market for it. I mean you're seeing now more and more people are talking about it, you know, professionals are talking about it, journalists are talking about it, they're talking you know, it's a different game to the minds. It's it's more you know, less kicking, it's more running, passing, hands, you know, it's, and people are kind of caught on to that, that, it, you know, it's more like a sevens game, I suppose, but for 80 minutes. Um, yeah. But no, I think, I know it's good, sorry, my wee puppy's trying to get in the door, but I've put a bag in front of it because she's a menace. Yeah, my dog's giving up on me. Blazes, the, the podcast is, uh, has fallen asleep, the, the mascot. <laughs> So I'll not keep you too much longer because I know I know you've got you've got a few things a few things to do. But if um if eh, what was I going to say to you? <laughs> um, I had a, I had a final point and I forgot what it is now. Um, yeah. So what 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 are you looking forward to the most in terms of the next few years? Where do you see Scottish women's rugby going? I'd like to see it fully professional. You know, have a pro team in because all the you know the 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 pro co- contracts in England. I mean, most if you look at the team lineup, the majority of them play down south, and that's a shame. You know that they're having to travel out with to to play their sport. You know, we need a pro team up or two pro teams up here. Um, do I see it happening anytime soon? Probably not. But it, who knows? Who knows? Um, that's the ideal, you know, in ha- having our own pro teams, our own audience, and, you know, more of a gateway as well. I mean, things like, you know, the kind of things that bothered me was when the women travel to New Zealand, they had to travel economy. But when the men do it, they get to travel first or, or business class because they're saying there's not the money f- for it, which is fair enough. The men do generate more money. I understand that. But, you know, if you... <laughs> If you're sending your team economy to travel practically 24 hours, are they going to be at their best when they get there? Probably. How long is it going to take them to recover? You know, it's so just things like that annoy me a wee bit. Um, you know, I think it, if they're wanting to do it, they need to do it right. But I think they also need to do it to the men's game. I, you know, I, our kind of youth structure and our, our progression routes aren't the best. Why do, why aren't we emulating what Ireland are doing? Because it's working. Yeah. You know, and the reason is because it's going to take a lot of initial investment. But you know what? It, but the end point is: look where Ireland are now. 
Yeah, and I think, I think that's... Sort of, you know, they've got four pro teams, we've got two. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing with the SRU. That, I mean, Ferdinand criticised all over the place and people think that's a, a bash on Scottish rugby, but it's not yeah. the sport Scottish rugby, but it just seems that Dodson's been heavily praised and everything he's heavily praised for is, is Scott, the SRU making money. It's not the success of anything well, the men's team are successful because we were able, we've not got a structure necessarily but we're able to mm. find talent that can play for Scotland and I have no problem with that but the under 20s then go and get absolutely pumped off of Italy and it's like well how yeah. where does that feed in because if we can't yeah. at some point get a Duhan to live here five years then what are we going to yeah. do because we're not going to have that talent come through so I think yeah the, the kind of the rugby academy system needs overhauling. I know they brought in things like the schools of rugby and stuff like that, and it's a good idea, but it's not. I mean, I know where I stay, there's one school that does rugby. So if you want to go to play rugby at school, you need to go to Co- Cobridge High. You know, who wants to go to Cobridge? <laughs> well, <laughs> <Just> Cobridge. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but, you know, so. And I know they had like active sports and you would have people go around primary schools and teach them rugby, but then it drops off. You know, there's there's kind of no, it's like an introduction and then there's no there's no follow-up. It kind of drops off and then it's forgotten about. And then only those that actually want to play rugby get to play rugby. You know, those that, that maybe had, had, you know, a bit of talent or a bit of skill, they kind of get forgotten about um, because they don't know where to go after, you know, it's, you know, there's that, there's not really that progression, and I think that needs to get looked at. Yeah, so and hopefully, think, hopefully in the future. I think they need to cast the wet the net a bit wider within Scotland. I mean, it's great that they found Sione to to apply. Oh, we talked about play the yeah. tournament potentially for Scotland. It's great we have a hunk of muscle freak from South Africa that scores loads of tries for us, but <laughs> we've not. There's there's talent and you know I played a little bit with Foresters yeah. and I played a little bit with Persia because these guys that when they were 17, 18 had loads of talent, but no one's going to watch Persia or Foresters to see what their youths, their the people that are maybe just turning 19, 20 are yeah. doing and saying, Look, come with us and we'll put you in this program and 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 help you become a good rugby player. And then what happens to them? And it's it's not a problem, it's the same thing it's essentially you've talked about. They discover other things. And then yeah. they're out of the system, and then they're just playing for Foresters at the weekend, which is great because I love Foresters Rugby Club. But they maybe some of these guys could have went on and played for for maybe you know maybe Edinburgh, yeah, maybe Scotland, or maybe Glasgow, you know. Um, so yeah, it's uh, I think I think that's the one. It's thing. frustrating. It's frustrating because you know I, I think I think in Scotland as well, rugby still got a bit of a reputation, and it's like a it's like a posh boys. Game. And it really isn't. I mean, you, you know, it's 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 it has moved away from that a lot. I mean, there is still an element of that, but you know, you know, you had um Rory Hughes and all that that came through. I mean, he was just a guy for Castle Milk that just happened to like rugby. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't. He was just a working class lad. The the Grey Brothers as well. But I think there's there's still a bit of that kind of perception, and they need to target. I think they need to target. Like the comprehensive schools and just see what's there, you know, what talents there. Mm-hmm. And just try and you know, just try and find it in other places. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I think 
I think that's exactly what they what they need to do with with both men's and women's games. Yeah. And uh, and then and then they'll build strength from within as well as finding these other players. I mean, I, I'm never going to be upset that they found Duhan or never going to be upset that they found oh, the Hell's probably my favourite player of all time for Scotland, just for so many reasons. Not because he's the greatest yeah. player to ever play for Scotland, just because our scrum was terrible before we <laughs> before Nell. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, that's it's been great having you on, and, and thanks so much for giving up your time to to do this. Not a problem. I've, I've really enjoyed it. Your 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 career in in, in rugby and stuff. So it makes want... me smile. Actually, I think about it. It, it makes me smile, and I think God, I've done that. And you know, it's um, not many people can say that, so it's 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 pretty special. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're on the roll of honour because I, I checked it. So I'm there. I'm there. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Um, so is is there anyone you want to give a big shout out to before we before we uh, probably just my my daughter uh, Morton. Um I'm hoping she gets back into it. She was she was uh, she had a very good rugby brain, but again, pretty similar to myself. She just got to an age and she just got a bit self-conscious. And my friend Karen, Karen Patterson, who actually got me into rugby in the first place. So it's kind of all her fault, really. She hadn't showed me a picture of Gavin Hastings. <laughs> None of this would have happened. <laughs> Oh, there you have it. Scotland's pin-up of the 90s, Gavin Hastings. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this incredible rugby journey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's all Gavin Hastings' fault. Uh, just as well, it wasn't, yeah. Um, just as well she didn't show you Tooney or something. You might have not decided not to not to play at all. But <laughs> <laughs> So thanks so much for, for coming on. Um, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. And uh, um, I'll get this out. And uh, I look forward to, hope everyone's enjoyed it, because I have. And um Go along, catch the women's game, follow them on TikTok, um, and uh, and check them out on TV now because it's all it's all there at your fingertips. Don't uh, don't be shy. Um, I, I think after the Six Nations, you should just be wanting more. Cheers.